Welcome to the Millionaire Next Door podcast with Robert Curtis, CFP, accredited investment fiduciary from Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. In this podcast, we help successful wealth accumulators like you looking to transition to a work optional lifestyle by helping you build strategies for growing and maintaining your wealth. Robert draws from years of experience and fiduciary responsibility and interviews guest experts to help you build reliable strategies to grow and maintain your wealth. Now, on to the show. Welcome to The Millionaire Next Door with Rob Curtis. I'm Patrice Sikora. This is the first episode of Rob's podcast series, and it's always informative and fun because it's where we learn about Rob from Rob. And we always start at the beginning. Rob, how did you get into the business in the first place? <laughs> good, good question, Patrice. I was working, I guess I'll call myself as a young man, and I was an analyst. I was trained to be an analyst in a finance department. I worked for a local government, and I just crunched numbers. I mean, I had Excel spreadsheets and stuff going out to every which direction on everything you could imagine from our bond issues, our municipal bond issues, to debt, to everything from claims against the police department, to water and power and everything. So just numbers. And I was really good at that. But I knew I didn't want to do that forever. I had a pretty safe, secure job with a pension coming. And I got an extreme interest in financial planning. And I figured as a younger guy, I'd eventually have a family and I'd need to grow some wealth or build out a nest egg of some type. And I was anxious. I kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit going too. And I took a series of courses at UCLA. It was a two-year program called a personal financial planning program. Mm. PFP was the credential. And I got that. And then I decided I'd make my move and I interviewed all over and I got hired by a firm. So I, I decided to go for it. My only real concern, I knew I could do the work technically and with the numbers, it was sort of the marketing, that, the growth. I mean, any business, the failure rate is huge. And especially in that business, as I watched all kinds of people come through our program and even some great people who didn't make it. That was my big concern. I, I sat for the CFP exam. I was one of the first in like my whole branch to do that. And that was a big inspiration for folks. And I'd love to tell you it was all super easy. I mean, I, I dialed on the phone. I did all kinds of stuff. I'd like to say I'm sort of like the 25-year overnight success story. I just kept working <laughs> through and finally developed a very detailed process. Uh, but it took a long time. And that's kind of like a lot of my clients. It's just a, a, just staying at it. But that's how I got into it. I made a conscious decision to pivot into that and never look back. I didn't want the regret of not going for it. So it's, yeah. yeah you say you, you really were good with numbers. How was the transition to dealing with people? Because this is a very people-oriented business. Yeah, that's a good question. Over time, I learned it is so much more about people and your people skills, even quote your bedside manner, especially coming through mm -hmm. a pandemic. I think I related well to people because even in that numbers environment, I was working for the city management and I was sort of the liaison to all these departments. So I was kind of on both sides, but I had to be like a people person. And I was always about service, even in municipal government. I really wanted to give good service because I don't know how the 
it's true. There's some bureaucratic processes where the service is not very good. So I was always about that. Again, the sort of this pandemic has just really exemplified how it's really yeah. about the human touch, the connections. I actually have two clients right now with brain cancer. Sometimes we go through some things, but how was that transition? I, I think I took to it well, but it is still a skill you develop over time. And it's it became really clear to me throughout, again, this pandemic, this lockdown, it wasn't always about a highly evolved technical acumen. It was really these other abilities just to listen, to care, to really be of benefit to people, just be kind, service, help them out through difficult times. So I've enjoyed leaning more into that and that's been good. All right. Who is your ideal client? That is a good question. I'd like to say, I mean, the title of the podcast is the Millionaire Next Door <laughs> podcast. Some people get what that is. Some people might be a little bit vague. That would be a great client. That's someone I can relate to. Again, I like to call it the overnight 25-year success story. They didn't come into sudden wealth. It didn't happen in one or three years. I mean, there are people who inherit stuff or who do, and then they have to get used to that. But generally, it took them a very long time. This is their nest egg. This is what they've been working for. And now it really matters. They've achieved some success, but they're not sure they're quite, quite there yet. A lot of times these are first generation sort of self-made affluent folks, maybe a business owner or an entrepreneur. But again, they were running this business with a million worries and took a long time to get to this place. So business owners and executives, folks in the prime of their lives, those who are sort of approaching or have achieved an inflection point for achieving financial independence and looking at the rest of their lives. We, we saw this a lot in the pandemic and lockdown. We had a lot of conversations with folks who made some really meaningful life changes. For, for example, they wanted to accelerate their retirement and they'd done pretty well, but they wanted to have check-ins to see, is that possible? Or can they do that in three to five years? And they really took the time to think about where they're at, what they might like to be different. Am I just trading time for money here with, with my occupation, et cetera. So definitely those who are maybe five to 10 years out from retirement and looking at a, a work optional lifestyle event or some type of a liquidity event, but we help them think through and prepare for that. And finally, I just add those who are enlightened about what money does, not just what it is or how much they have. So what it can do, I mean, it often comes down to family and legacy, but all those folks, it's a lot about having the assets, but the attitudinal qualities, our chemistry, and just helping them and their families. We're starting to see some amazing things, kids in college that we planned for 18 years, and there we are, they're accepted. And so anyway, long list there, but those are all ideal, the kind of flavor of who I work with. Yeah. Right. And, and what do you do for your clients? I mean, they're coming, they're coming to you. They have worked hard. They have made money. They want to invest it. They want to save it for their families. What do you do for them? Yeah. So what I do, I think first and foremost, a lot of peace of mind. I, I, I serve as a trusted advisor for them. I'm a steward of their assets, not a salesperson trying to sell them stuff. I have a very comprehensive process that I've developed over many years that I like to call an unemotional uh, rules-based systematic process. So whenever we're making decisions, especially about investments, we look at a very 
strict set of numbers and data, and we have a process around that. And we, I start to educate them on that, but it's no guarantee, but it stacks the favor in their odds much better of making good decisions. So I, I say first and foremost, it's our process, also our process around service and my team. That's what we do, but we help them with any question that they have. I describe what I do. Primarily, we, ha we have sort of a pyramid, a wealth management pyramid. Mm -hmm. And our process, if you think of the wealth or the pyramid, I, I always think of John Wooden, if you remember the famous UCLA coach, and he had a very successful thing called a pyramid of success. And I'd heard at the base of this, in the time when UCLA was the top team in the country, they would get all these recruits and he'd bring in these incredible athletes. And the first day in the process, these guys would be excited. I can't wait to see what coach Wooden's going to teach me. He taught them how to put on their socks and tie their shoes, believe it or not. Because back in the day, you had these old Chuck Taylor shoes. And, and if you got a blister or something, it was a big deal. It's still a big deal. But literally, he would, even if you were a senior or freshman, so at the base of this pyramid, we have investment management. That's the core area, as, tactical asset allocation. We've stayed away from places like international for many years and commodities, but those are coming back in. So we don't have a cookie cutter pie chart asset allocation approach. We, that's the very base of the pyramid. We do comprehensive financial planning. Everybody in on my team and myself is a certified financial planner. We do risk management. That's insurance of all kinds. We don't really sell insurance, but we bring that into our process. And tax planning, we're not CPAs. We rely on their tax professionals. We work with them. We understand a lot about it. We bring that into our process and we can connect and coordinate with their CPA same with trusts and estates and their attorneys. We don't draft the documents. We're not experts, but we've seen an awful lot. I've reviewed, hundred, reviewed hundreds and hundreds of trusts. We have contacts. We work with their, their other professionals, right, right on down to folks that are maybe going to sell or transition a business and legacy planning, wealth planning, charitable planning, all these things. And we have a process that they really, the clients kind of can't outgrow. They don't always see everything they do. We will bring these elements into place when they're ready for it. So depending upon where they're at in the pyramid, but we do all of that and all from a holistic process. Throughout everything you're saying here, I'm hearing a common theme, education. Yeah. How do you educate your clients? Good, good question. My wife's a teacher. And so I think about teaching. Hers is very different. But then it, after a few years in the business, it really occurred to me, we're really just teaching. So we're certainly laying out options and letting them know what's possible. And then we're giving recommendations saying after years of experience and through this process, here's what we'd recommend. But it has to be a fit. It has to be a fit that works for them. So we're constantly educating. One of the areas I've found fascinating is just sometimes there's a big disconnect between the economy and the markets. People think the two are synonymous, but they don't really have to be. I mean, look how the market responded through the pandemic. I mean, it was horrible in March of 2020, but it just kept rising and it climbed a wall of worry. So we walked them through all these things or inflations on the horizon. How is this done historically? How are assets correlated? It's just a lot of 
we meet them where they're at because some we work with a lot of engineers and folks who have high disciplines. Others are just they just it's over their head. But we tell them what we need to know to help them make good decisions. So constantly educating so that people also don't come back later and say, I didn't understand. This is where we were going. This, I, I, we were on the same page. You explained it well. And then we'll take the time to go through their questions because this is their money. This is their life savings. I want them comfortable with it. Yeah. Tell me about the people who help you. Who are, who's on your team? First and foremost, we have my assistant, Stephanie. I mean, she... <laughs> It's like everything. It's incredible. She answers the phone. Many clients call and hope they're going to get her as opposed to me. <laughs> and that's great. We, we kind of have our lanes. I do the financial advisory, but she, you know, all the paperwork, all the documents, everything's online. We don't have paper files sitting everywhere, but just everything from it. We use outside custodians for our assets, Schwab and Fidelity. So she coordinates with them, everything from logins. So she's a huge part of that team. I work with some other advisors in the office that, that run reports for me and we'll bring them into meetings and we'll just have a network, kind of like a network of doctors that would all confer together. I, I have a huge team in Century City. My, my office is in Pasadena, but we've be, be become a pretty substantial, what's called a RIA firm. And there's about a hundred people there that support me and other advisors, everything from compliance to all kinds of online technical, if I have an online challenge, just just everything and portfolio reporting and there's a whole investment research department it's it and then there's another aspect to the team i'll focus on that's a little bit more informal i alluded to earlier but maybe like a client's attorney or their cpa or their insurance broker or other key individuals in their life their mortgage broker we will bring them into our process we'll work with them those are all part of the team and it works so well when I know those professionals and we already have a working relationship and then the client really gets a huge benefit, but that's part of the process. So we integrate that great quite seamlessly. Yeah. Great. Now, no, yeah, we've, we're in COVID, we're coming out of COVID, hopefully for good, everything is starting to open up again, but have you been able to do anything in the community during this time? What did you do before and what do you hope to get back to? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Community-wise, I've been very involved in the community. My biggest message over the last year has been learning how to say no to opportunities that come my way. Sometimes they say without the word no, your yes has no I, meaning, yes. but <laughs> I've been super active. I'm, I'm a member of the Pasadena Tournament of Roses. We put on the, the Rose Parade and the game. That obviously got shut down last year, so that hasn't been too much. I do a service group called Lions International. It's the world's largest mm -hmm. service organization. So a lot of help for blind, hearing impaired. That's spilled over to diabetes quite a bit, a lot of cancer stuff. We've been able to operate quite well virtually and grow our membership. So it's been online. I'm pretty active in my church. I'm, a, I'm on a stewardship committee meeting or committee, I should say. So we've navigated that through the pandemic and that's, we're starting to come back, but it's mostly been online. I'm very active in a tennis league. I'm a captain of a USTA team. And obviously that has not been online, but we've been allowed finally to play and meet. And I shouldn't say this, but we're not wearing masks when, when we play tennis, when we're 80 feet away from each other, but we feel comfortable with that. We're observing all the other protocols, but super active in my community 
the Zoom has not been a bad thing for my standpoint. Mm -hmm. I, I do a lot of networking and other meetings and sometimes you get Zoom fatigue, but other times we've even had clients who say, I love coming into your office. It's beautiful. I have a cup of coffee, but there's others who say, I didn't really have to get all dressed up. I didn't have to travel for 30 minutes. I'm hearing that a lot. Yeah. I have not had to pay for much in the way of parking validations, although they're always <laughs> welcome to come in or go back to the meeting. So super active in the community, but it's kind of made me think of my roles and what, what I want to do, what I want to focus on. And that leads me into the next question. What's your business philosophy? I would say take care of the clients, really. Just make a, have a good fit. Make sure we're not trying to serve everyone. It's those where we have a really strong chemistry and alignment of interest, but just take care of them. Always put yourself in their shoes and try and think how they're thinking, but also to have that process. As I mentioned, the unobjective or the, excuse me, the objective unemotional rules-based process that they're just not trained or disciplined. They would have no way of understanding, sort of like an airline pilot. They've got a whole protocol, if you're instrument trained, that we would just not know what we're doing, but it's incredibly valuable that process is in place. And if we're one or two degrees off course or this little light goes on, we've got a process. A great analogy. Great yeah. Analogy. I just try and let them know that process is in place and we're following that and we're not this, we're not one-offing things based on a gut feel or my, the hair on my neck stood up. I mean, we're looking at, <laughs> we're looking at data. Yeah. And integrating that. Yeah. All right. Now you've told us about your work. You've told us about some of the things you do in the community, but when you are totally free, totally on your own, untethered, mm -hmm. what do you do for fun? I don't have to think too much about that. I, I try and do that a lot. I really enjoy being outside, being out in nature, just walks with my dogs. With my wife, we're raising a, a family. We have two teenagers, 16 and an 18 year old who just graduated high school. He's getting ready to go to college. Uh, congratulate. Yeah, we work out together. I do surfing, although I don't live super close to the beach. So I'm sort of a frustrated surfer that wishes he could go every day, but I try and get out. I'm in an online community where we work out and with some very highly trained experts that are amazing, these coaches. But obviously I mentioned tennis, big fan of music, actually I've become a huge fan of podcasts and some incredible material where I feel like I'm going through four or five books a week. Right. And I'm walking the dogs. So I've got a, I love to eat. I like to cook. I'm not a big fan of dishes afterwards, but yeah, <laughs> I, I seem to, oh, I'm a very avid skier. I love to ski. I went to Utah this year and to Mammoth and oh. actually got to participate in a clinic run by a woman who she was a former U.S. ski team mogul member and was, I guess she was voted for 10 years straight. She was the most fearless woman in all of sports, for any sport, she was like an extreme athlete. And the whole clinic was actually, it's a long answer to your question here, but they were, it was nothing about your technique or your turning or all this. It was all, it was about fear. She learned a lot about fear. And I wasn't even sure why I decided to participate in this three-day event in Alta, Utah, but it was really good. And then as I thought later, okay, we're going through a pandemic. That's very fear-based or fear is a thing. It's there. A lot of people try and push it down. So she was a lot of techniques around that, a lot of insight. She's an expert at that. What did you learn to deal with fear or to accept fear or to how to 
hold it off. What did you learn? Oh my gosh. I felt like I was just scratching the surface. I'm actually going to go back next year, but there's just so many elements. I think a lot of people repress that learning how to face it. She, the other part of it was about this concept called flow. So learning how to get more in flow, but we did some exercise on the slopes that were real freeing where we'd go up and then we'd go down with a different focus. I learned a lot. I, I didn't per se think of myself as a fearful person, but I even thought as an advisor, we're dealing with financial markets that are all over the place and people are have fears around money or their lives or the pandemic was... I think very driven by a lot of fear, a lot of fear of just people yeah. have of death and maybe they're not that comfortable with that as a thing. I learned a lot. It's I probably couldn't articulate it right back here, but that's why I'm going to go back next year. And it was kind of a, a really interesting and something I normally wouldn't have taken on because we tend to sort of not want to think about it or face it. Sometimes you got to relax into it and just yeah. let it happen. I have a ton more to learn. She's the expert. Yeah. And there was a bunch of different people there that were all coming from totally different places. One guy was actually a dentist. I remember, I mean, we became really good friends and he's a very successful New York. He had some fears. He sort of could have taken his practice to the next level with some stuff he'd been referring out. So that was an issue he was dealing with. Other people <laughs> We're dealing with some relationships. They were all kind of dealing with different things. So I just thought it'd be a neat thing to expose myself to. So that's fascinating, Rob. Yeah, that's it was good. And we got to ski and it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Now here's a, a question that face your fears and tell me one thing most people don't know about you. One thing. Let's see. Just one. I, I actually graduated undergraduate with a degree in pharmacology, which people may find it was a bachelor of science, which was the tougher of the two versus a BA. So a lot of science, a lot of, boy, we had biology, neurobiology, chemistry, organic chemistry, physical chemistry, physics. A lot of people wouldn't think that as a financial advisor. So there are people who are like engineers that go get an MBA. I think it's the rigor and the discipline of it. And I found it served me really well because of the scientific method and just always kind of searching for the truth. And I think markets and everywhere are filled with a lot of story, but what's really going on? They always say, follow the money, that kind of thing. So it helped from that sort of a standpoint, but not everyone knows that about me. Yeah, We do now. Yeah, you do now. <laughs> All right. It's out there. Who was your hero, Rob? Hero. I thought about this a bit that I could give many throughout history. I'm going to bring up one in particular, may surprise you, is a man named Laird Hamilton. I don't know if you know who Laird Hamilton is. No. He's a professional, well, he's not a professional surfer. He's a big wave surfer. And he's about 57, 58 years old. He surfs some of the largest surf in the world, like 100-foot surf. And he still does. He's an incredible individual. So he's not going out there undisciplined. His level of training from his diet to how he trains physically to his mindset to practicing for things like four or five minute hold downs. He's married to a, a woman named Gabby Reese, who was a uh, volleyball player, professional and very successful. And they're just incredible. They're incredible parents. They teach this stuff. And it's a lot about dealing with, with stress, maybe with fear, 
but how you face those things on a daily basis. We face it all. I mean, even if you have kids, I got two teenagers and things are going wonderfully, but I mean, kids will throw you for a loop. Tell uh, me about it. Yep. It's just crazy. So I've learned a lot from those folks. Laird is just kind of superhuman. So he, if you were to put him in a Navy SEAL class today of 22-year-olds, he'd probably be destroying these folks. So he's, but it's not because he has processes to it. And he's very wise. And I really, a lot of folks have learned a lot from this guy. He's one of my heroes for sure. Is there one thing that you find yourself recommending to clients, family, and friends? One thing? Yeah, I tend to focus a lot on your health and trying to make sure people are living healthy. I know it's one thing, but it's kind of a four. You definitely want to be getting a lot of movement throughout the day. And I think we live in a very kind of sedentary society. You sit back in that easy chair and they say it's the new cancer. Sitting still and not moving is supposed to be worse than smoking. But there's that, there's hydration there's your sleep, a thing called sleep hygiene. Uh, throughout the pandemic, I started paying a lot of attention to that, to how important it is for your immune processes, your defense, and your overall mental. I compete on a lot of physical levels, so how well you bring it, but also we all go into work or have interactions with our spouse or with clients. And if, if you're not well rested, I mean, it shows up that you're something less than yourself. So those kind of processes, eating well, nutritionally, which sometimes doesn't mean everything that's prescribed in the food pyramid, but you really got to do a lot of research. So the other aspect is just sort of taking care of yourself, self-care, which I think gets neglected often. We're looking out for others, but you need to sort of take care of yourself first and on the airplane, apparently, if the plane's going down, they've already pre-instructed you, whatever. When you get the mask, even if your little child's there, you got to put it on yourself first right. so you're able to breathe before you can go help that person. So I just think if you're not taking care of yourself, then it's hard to be your best for others who need you. So that would be a message and that there's a lot of elements to that that I try and focus on. Do you have a, a motto or a mantra that helps you with this? Yeah, I call it the, the four Ds, the four doctors, sort of, like I said, movement, hydration, mm -hmm. sleep, nutrition, your mindset, but good nutrition, not there's this concept of calories or calories. And God knows this, uh, when I was a kid, it was Cheetos and Doritos and a, hey, and a hey, Coke what, for what's lunch. What's wrong with Cheetos? Come on yeah. now. Come on well, now. That, that, the risk is sometimes people think you're preachy and they get, <laughs> so you got to be careful how you share this wisdom. Yeah. Those are, yeah. <laughs> so. The Cheetos, you get them all over your fingers, you touch stuff, you get, everything is orange. Love well, I've, I've heard or Oreos are vegan. <laughs> Hard to believe. <laughs> I'll have to make a note of that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Rob, what is your proudest achievement? And I know you'll probably say the kids and we'll accept that, but I'm going to push you for something beyond the kids. Oh no, that was my answer. So I, I mean, it, it, it would, well, <laughs> it's not just the kids. It's the whole process of raising a family and seeing oh, okay. them from birth to where they are now as teenagers and the people they're becoming and just that process with my wife. And it's just, it's really amazing. They do grow up fast. You age in the process too. Trying to become better at being a parent because we, you know, who there's no manual. I've learned they don't really listen very much to what you say. It's kind of like that old peanuts. You remember the adults was always wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. 
but they do watch what you do. They watch extremely closely. So trying to model good behaviors or good things, even like diet or eating a little bit better, things like that. I may get some funny looks or strange things, but then sometimes I see them pick up these habits and it's great. That's by far been the, my proudest Good. moment. And just, I would say a, a lot of it is around process in my practice, trying to build in processes that are very repeatable, that always get overlaid, trying to have an emotional or unemotional rules-based objective parenting. If anything can take you on a wild ride or be different than you might've expected it to be. And that's not uncommon. It's not, it is not. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Parenting is a, it is an experience. It is a, a life experience. Yes. All right. Now you have all these people listening to the podcast who should be listening to this podcast. Who would you love to have listen to this podcast? Yeah. Good, good question. I think anyone that this resonates to, I, I have clients, obviously we're in sync or we wouldn't be working together. I'm trying to share my processes in my practice, but also in my daily life and things about healthy living that I think also puts people in a position to make better decisions. So anybody that, anybody who wants to share that or share these kind of words or wisdom, or maybe share that to have them say, this is my advisor, but someone I work with, if they want to kick the tires, people who see how that process works, maybe people who follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook, friends of friends, that kind of thing. Anybody who fits that sort of tight target ideal profile, maybe they're working towards retirement, they want to get there, they're just not sure if they're there yet or and or if they're in it, how do they work? How do they be in that work optional lifestyle and how do they make that work? But I try and intersperse it with a lot of healthy living tips that have just resonated with me because I see the parallels between health financially and, and how you live your life and your outlook. And I've, I think part of that was a gift that really got accelerated during the pandemic when it became necessary to look out for that for yourself. And I just don't feel the answers were coming from the government or through the TV or all of our policies. I think it's up to, and even with your doctor and stuff, I'm no doctor, but you got to look at your own health and you got to be your own doctor and take care of yourself. Long answer there, but who, anybody who resonates with those kind of themes and wants a process and that perspective, and I'm always happy to engage in conversation or talk to folks if they like. Which leads me to the question, how can listeners reach you? I track email quite all the time. I like to say always on. I mean, I've always got my cell phone and whatnot, but that's rcurtis, R-C-U-R-T-I-S-S at S-E-I-A.com. So that's a real good one. Follow me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Those are probably the best ways to reach me. You can just call my office if you want to look me up. There's a, there's my firm called Signature Estate and Investment Advisors has a website. I have a bio there under partners and advisors. I also want to say I have a series of about nine videos with more coming out, by the way. They're like two-minute videos, but they go into a lot of these themes and had a lot of traction with clients and sort of centers of influence and others, just a community who viewed them. And I'm, I'm trying to impart that wisdom and a little deeper dive into the process, but some bigger picture thoughts. So it should be fairly easy to reach out. <laughs> and that is Rob Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S-S, of Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. Now, to make sure you get every episode of Rob's podcast, The Millionaire Next Door, subscribe using the subscribe button right on this page and share with the share button. 
I'm Patrice Sakora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to the Millionaire Next Door podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Signature Estate and Investment Advisors or Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.